0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Father, we just reach up to you right now. Thank you for your word of promise and faith. Strengthen each one of us, Lord, that we would stand strong in you. We would not be intimidated. We would not pull back from your promises or truth. But Lord, we would be immovable, always abounding, overflowing in the service of our God. Lord, I just pray you'd speak to us through your living word right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Last week, I uh, preached a message on Gideon. We were away at um, Planet Shakers the week before, and God really stirred my heart. And I want to pick that up again. And uh, Gideon's an amazing story because he was a man who was intimidated. The nation of Israel were swamped and overwhelmed, and God comes to him. We pick up the story in Judges 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, that belonged to Joash the Abuzerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now when you read this story, some newer Christians say, What's all this killing going on in the Old Testament? You've got to realize in the Old Testament that the Israelites represented the people of God and they had physical armies and enemies against them. So we have all these uh, physical battles and wars and enemies. In the New Testament, we have spiritual enemies and battles. And so the Old Testament physical battles are a picture and God gives strategy to how we can win the spiritual battles that we face today. And so we've got to understand that that's a big picture um, understanding of old testament and new testament so when we see god says destroy the enemy he's not saying to go out and physically harm someone and naturally he's talking about the spiritual battles that come against our minds our hearts our souls our families and our bodies so here we have the israelites they were intimidated overrun by the midianites and it says it was harvest time when they would come and rip them off and i believe god's called us to move into a great time of harvest in our church and our city and across our nation. And that's the time the enemy tries to come and rob from us, steal from us, get us distracted so that we then pull back out of fear and intimidation. But I believe that God's called us to rise up like Gideon in his strength and power and not be stolen from, but to stand up and fulfill all God's plan and purpose for our lives. And that's why this word has really stirred my heart and my soul. And the angel comes and says, rise up, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, you've got the wrong guy. I'm no mighty warrior. Here I am hiding from the enemy. I'm threshing the wheat. We're intimidated. We've been robbed and stolen from, from years. I'm no mighty warrior. He saw himself with a very poor, fear-intimidated identity. But the Lord will always come and speak to us about who we really are and what we're becoming. So prophetically, he says, rise up, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. And that's what God speaks to all of us today. No matter what fear or intimidation comes against our minds and our bodies and our souls and our households, God says, rise up, man or woman of God. You are a mighty warrior. You've got destiny and purpose over your life. How do we see ourselves? Often full of fear, struggling, overwhelmed. God sees us as champions. He sees you and I as leaders and champions immovable, standing in the Word, of God. You're a a son or a daughter of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You're an overcomer. You are filled with His spirit and power. That's how God sees you. He wants you to see yourself. So God speaks three things to get in. He says, I want you to see your true identity. He comes with if and but and why and what's happened. And we have all those ifs and buts and why still sometimes when God says, rise up. And see your whole household Savior You're saying, well, God, you. But what about this? And You don't know how long that's been a battle. And God says, well, yeah, I do. But he says, you can rise up. You can be an overcomer. And so we see God challenges his identity. Then he says, go in the strength you have. So God starts to remind us of the resources we have. That his spirit within us, <coughs> his truth is within us. His prophetic promises are ours. So we can rise up with the resources that he's given us for you and I individually and corporately. And then thirdly, Gideon comes back with some more excuses. He says, I'm the least in my family and our family's the least in, the, in Israel. And that was not true at all. We see later when God spoke to him, he got 10 of his servants. So if they were least and the poorest, they wouldn't have 10, 7 servants in their household. So it wasn't true what he said, but that's how he felt and that's what fear will do. It will intimidate you so that your perception of what is real is not real. It distorts reality. That's what fear and intimidation always will do. When you get a diagnosis from the doctor, and I prayed with someone today that's just being diagnosed with cancer on the way out today, and you can see they're a man of God, but there was a battle in their soul, I said. Now that may be factual, but our God is with us. As soon as I prayed for him, the Holy Spirit spoke these words through him. He says, every day that God's written for you to live will be fulfilled. And I prayed that because that's the truth. And yet the fear would come and try and intimidate and rob from our souls when there's health challenges and, and when we see the issue around us. Our God is great and we've got to see the real identity that God's called you and I and our church to shake this city and transform our world. We've got to live with the true identity. Otherwise, the ifs and the buts and the whys will just control our thinking. And so Gideon arises up and he sets off the purpose. And then in verse 17, he says these words, If now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. And so he's still going through the if. He says, okay, I think it is you speaking to me, God. So he goes and gets a sacrifice together. And then the fire of God comes down from the angel's... um, And all of a sudden it gets consumed and Gideon says, whoa, God's in the place. I've seen God. He says, it's okay. You're not going to die. And then we see the journey that he takes on. And he says, now I want you to build an altar of worship. Now remember, the altar of Baal, false worship, was still there that his father had sanctioned or built because the whole nation had backslidden from God. Sounds a little bit like Australia that used to be a strong Christian nation You know, only 40 or 50 years ago, at least half of this nation used to go to church nearly every Sunday. We have drifted from the foundation of who we were and who we are. But the Spirit of God can raise up His church, His men and women like Gideon, to be an overcomer and see our nation turn back to God. And we've got to believe that. We've got to see that by faith. And so He had to, God says, I want you to build an altar of worship to God in the face of the altar of idolatry and worship to the kingdom of darkness. We want to go and tear that down first. God's strategy was, I want you to build the altar of worship and the presence of God and a praise in your heart and soul and spirit and then I will come with my presence and then I'll give you authority to go and tear down that which is evil. We want to do it the other way around sometimes. And God says, no, build up an altar of praise and worship and the word of God in your household, in your marriage, in your family, in our city. And then I will give you the authority to tear down that which is evil and wrong across our city and our nation. That's how God gave the order. And the amazing thing is, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and he called it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. And I shared last week, this really stirred my heart. And Sammy Rodriguez shared this when he was preaching at Planet Shakes. It really stirred my heart. Jehovah Shalom means wholeness, completed, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. That's what Shalom really means. Wow. So God looks at you and says, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Think, wow, I still see some stuff that's missing and, and broken. God says, you might feel that in the natural, but let me tell you, when I hung on that cross and said, it is finished, it is finished. And so you can learn to grow into and live out the fullness of Christ over your life. Wow, we've got to rise up. This is what he called. It says, perfect, restored or rewarded. That's the altar of worship and praise. So when we're worshipping God, as Peter shared today, we're worshipping God, there's a restoration, there's a freedom, there's a strength that comes in our life when we build an altar of praise and worship in front of whatever might be trying to intimidate our lives. That's why it's so powerful to praise and worship. It's so powerful to declare the written and the prophetic word of God over your household and our community and our city and our nation because that's what God's called us to do. If we do it like Gideon did, let me tell you, we have God's results and breakthroughs. And so we, he built that. And then the story picks up in verse 25. That same night, the Lord said, Take the second bull your father's heard, and tear down <coughs> the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. The altar of Baal was where they worshipped idolatry And the Asherah pole was like a great big pole where they worshipped the false gods which had come in from the other nations. This was the people of God who had backslidden away from God. It is so easy for our heart to slide away. But God's calling us back to his purposes, back to his freedom, back to his place of authority over our lives and over the kingdom of God. And Gideon says, yes, but he said, I'm really scared. He says, okay, so he went and did it, but he did it at night time. I love Gideon. He did it, but he did it scared. It's okay to be afraid, but just obey anyway. A lot of us have to do what God's called to do, even if you do it filled with fear and trepidation. God stirs you to, to lift up his name in your workplace. You're thinking, oh boy. Do it wisely and sensibly, but if you do it, God's grace will come in our households, in our city. Don't be afraid to lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus, do it with grace and wisdom. But let me tell you, when you do it, God's power and presence comes to back you up. So he obeyed. He tore it down. Next morning, the altar of Baal's gone. The Asherah pole's been cut down. And the amazing thing is the Asherah pole, God says, the timber from that pole is what you can use to burn will fuel your next sacrifice of worship to God. I think, oh God, that is powerful. The very thing that tried to destroy your life and your household. The very addiction and stronghold of sin and the generational curses. Remember, his father had built this or allowed it to get built. So now Gideon has to stand up and confront the generational sins of iniquity that had come against the kingdom of God. And when you come into the kingdom of God, God will sometimes get you to confront that, that line of divorce that line of addiction or stronghold or anxiety that is over your household, God says, you can confront that and I will actually give you the fuel to empower you to do it. Wow, so the very thing that tries to destroy you is the thing God will raise up and turn it around to mobilize you and be fueled. Your testimony, your story will then set other people free. That is the power of the name of Jesus that comes. He says, the very Asherah pole, it will burn and be fuel for your soul. Wow. So he goes and cuts that down. Next day, they say, who did this? Quick investigation. They realize it's Gideon. They said, bring him out here and we'll kill him. These used to be the people of God. How far we can slip from God's purposes and ways and not even realize it. Now, Joash, his dad, who had authorized the building of these or had even built them, all of a sudden he saw the son of, the courage of his son and God started to stir him. And he stood up and he was obviously a leader in the village or the town. Says, anyone who wants to take on Gideon has to take on me now. All of a sudden, let me tell you, when someone stands up with courage, God will raise up others with courage. He's looking for men and women and churches that will just live truth. Live it out with grace and truth and integrity. All of a sudden, Joash stands up. He says, you don't take him on, you take us on. And then all of a sudden, things start to change and turn in this nation. And he says, if Baal is so a powerful God, then let him look after himself. Wow. And that reminds me of the story which I mentioned last Sunday night in uh, 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Samuel 5. The Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it then from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. He's their God... Gets close to the presence of God and he's down on his face. What happens? But the following morning when they arose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground again before the Ark Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. I love this. When you come into the presence of God, every evil thing has to bow down. Jesus the name above every other name. And those things that have tried to intimidate and control our lives and our city and community, we've got to rise up and we'll understand that the name of Jesus is greater than every stronghold of darkness. We've got to live with the reality that the presence of God will cause everything to bow down. You look in the natural thing, how's that going to happen? These strongholds are so powerful and so intimidating. Let me tell you, when we learn to walk in the Spirit of God with His authority and grace, and we're prepared to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God, we're going to see more and more of these amazing encounters happen today for the glory of God. Let's give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. You'll be tested on it. Gideon was tested on it. But let me tell you, if we learn to step up, we're going to see the power of the name of Jesus manifest. We're going to see his glory lifted up on high. And God's going to position people. He's going to move things around. And we're going to see a great hunger for the kingdom of God arise across our nation and across this city for the glory of God. Then it says in verse 33, Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, other eastern peoples joined forces, crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. He blew a trumpet summoning the Abuzerites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Let me tell you, when the Spirit of God comes on you, you cannot be quiet. Spirit of God comes and he gets the trumpet and starts blowing the trumpet, calling the people to gather. And it was probably a trumpet that called them to gather to get ready to fight and overcome. And now they've been intimidated for years, maybe decades. The trumpet blast goes out and they start to gather. 32,000 of them start to gather. There was 135,000 enemy troops at least. When you read the story a bit further on, 120,000 were destroyed and another 15,000 fled, which they captured most of them. 32,000 come. But let's take a moment. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. This is a special word that's only used three times in Scripture. 1 Chronicles 12, 18. The Spirit of the Lord came on Amazon, chief of the 30. He was the chief of David's mighty men. These were, these were talk about superheroes, mate. They were the most amazing fighters and leaders on the planet. And in Second Chronicles 24, 20, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. Three times it used a special word for the Spirit of the Lord came upon. It wasn't just feeling some nice feelings in church like we do. It actually means the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. It wasn't just the Spirit of God came on him. It was like God allowed his spirit to be clothed with Gideon's voice, personality, characteristics, experiences, courage, leadership, strength. It's like God and Gideon worked together as one. It actually, the best picture that the theologian can say is it's like God put Gideon on like a glove. A glove and the hand work together. They flow together to get the job done. God so came on Gideon, he allowed himself to be clothed with Gideon. In other words, Gideon was the leader. He blew the trumpet. He gave the commands led by the Spirit. So it was God and him together together that rescued the people of God and defeated the enemy. And I believe God's Spirit is learning. We are learning how to respond to the Spirit of God so He comes on us in such a powerful way that we are joined and linked together so people out there see God with skin on when you walk into the room. That's what it means. It's not not a self-promotion thing. It's a humbling, honoring thing that God will choose to work through your voice. He will choose to work through your hands of grace and compassion and kindness. He will work through your prayers. He will work through your hugs. He will work through your story and testimony. He will work through your personality and your gifts and talents that He's given you. That's what it means to be clothed with His Spirit and for God to allow Himself to be clothed with you, your personality, your your gifts. It's a beautiful picture of a glove on a hand working together. I was going to bring in a glove, but my old yard ones are all torn and yucky, so I forgot to buy a new one yesterday to illustrate it. A glove. The Spirit of God so came on Gideon so that when he started to speak, they knew it was the Word of God coming. And he had to go through a journey. He was terrified, intimidated, and so God took him through faith steps, and it came on him. And look what happened. Let's just wrap this story up. Chapter 7. We see that he, uh, oh, before he gets to there, verse 35, he sent messages through Manasseh, they called them together. <coughs> then in verse 36, if you will save Israel by my hand as you promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand. And that's what happened. Gideon knew God had spoken to him. All his encounters... He says, oh, God, I just need another confirmation. Sounds like you and I, eh? How many confirmation do we need? Well, Gideon needed a couple more. He says, I'm going to pray and the, the water will be on the fleece and the ground will be dry. God did it. Yet the thing is, yeah, let's go. He says, God, can I have one more? So the next night he says, can you do it the other way around and just have, the, have the, the fleece dry and the ground wet from the Jew? And God did it. God didn't beat him up. I think sometimes we think God will get angry at us because our faith is still growing. Hey, God would rather you learn and grow and get there in the end than to go out bold and say, we can do it, and then not finish the task. So don't beat yourself up when you've asked God for another confirmation. God, can you give me another scripture? I've only got 35. I need one more just to really confirm this. (laughs) I just loved Gideon's story because he's just like you and I. God called him, but he had to keep walking the steps of faith. God has given some dreams and visions in our lives of ministry and leadership. The enemy's tried to steal and intimidate you out of it and rob for it. But God says, hey, let's keep rising up. Let's keep going. So the beautiful story. Then we get to chapter 7. Early in the morning, he calls them together. He's got 32,000. And then the faithful words from verse 2 says, The Lord said again, you've got too many men. Gideon's thinking 135, 32, we're still not even four to one. And you're saying, i got too many. But Gideon by now was learning to obey the voice of God. I can't deliver a million into your hands or Israel would would boast against me. My own strength to save me. Now announce the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. That's a scary thing as a leader to do. Everyone's feeling a bit scared and overwhelmed and can't face the challenges. 22,000 turn around and go home. It wasn't just a little bit of trepidation or anxiety. This was controlling fear that they couldn't even function at the thought of battle. Remember, they'd been robbed from for decades. This is a whole new mindset that's coming. 10,000 remain. Gideon thinking, wow, 13 to 1. Now the odds are not real good, but God, you're in charge. Then the fateful answer came, there's still too many men. I reckon there was a little bit of a discussion went on between Gideon and God right there. Not sure how long it lasted, but Gideon learned he couldn't win an argument with God. Take the men down to the water, I'll, I'll thin them out for you there. And Gideon's thinking, oh God. I'll say, this one shall not go with you and this one shall not go. So Gideon took the men down the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lapped the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them then drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said, With the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. (coughs) So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home but kept the three hundred and took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. There were two tests to find out who was really ready for this next battle. Number one, they had to face and overcome their trembling fear. So those that are terrified, go home. 22,000. A third of them said, this is a bit too scary for us, we're out of here. Joshua 1.9 says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but He has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound and judgment, mind and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced and self-control. God wants us to face our fears and not be intimidated. But boy, it can overwhelm us sometimes when the doctor's report comes when the family situation becomes chaotic, when the work situation becomes very intimidating, when family members say, are you still going to that crazy church down the road? You know, what do you say? Are you still reading that book? I thought you'd finished it by now. You know, are you still giving money to that, to that church? What do they do with it? You, intimidation comes, but we've got to live by truth because we know who we are and whose we are. And secondly... What was the second thing about drinking water and lapping and what on earth is going on? Obviously, there's 10,000 came. Remember, the enemy is camped over the hill. 9,700 of them, they were thirsty. Their own needs needed to be met. So they came and they just threw off their swords and armor, knelt down and just faced the water and going for it. They were meeting their own needs first. The 300, they knelt down with one knee, kept their sword on. They're looking around to make sure the enemy's not come over the hill and just lapping because they were alert and ready for what was coming. God's looking for people who don't just use God's blessings to meet their own personal needs and forget all the others that God's called us to minister to, our kids and our grandkids, our community, our family. Wow. That's the sort of people God's looking for. Blessed to be a blessing, but then also looking out to protect their families and being alert and ready for the enemy's attacks. That's the 300 that God raised up. And look what happened. Verse 8. I love the Lord. He says, During that night, the Lord said again, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, in other words, you're still battling your fears. God knows those things don't drop off easily. Once more, God says, oh, I'll give you another confirmation. I just love the Lord. How awesome is He that He comes and gives us another, another, another word, another moment, another touch of His presence, another sign that God's with us and He loves us and He cares for you and your household. And basically says, go down and listen to the edge of the enemy's camp. And what do they hear? You hear these two guys saying, we had a dream. We saw this barley loaf come down and flatten all our tents. And the other guy says, that could only be Gideon and the leader of the army of the people of God that are coming to destroy us as the Midianites. It says Gideon heard it and he got really excited and started to worship. Hopefully he did it quietly right there because otherwise he would have been... <laughs> Exposed and killed. There's a moments to worship with all of your heart quietly and other times to jump and shout and declare. He goes back and he says, I know now what to do. God gave him the strategy, told him what to do. Divide the 300 into three lots of 100 to stand on the ridge around the camp with a, a jug or a pitcher with a light inside of it hidden and with a trumpet or a ram's horn I don't know if you've ever been where an orchestra or some people have half a dozen trumpets blowing. It's noisy. How about 300 trumpets in the middle of the night, woken up out of your sleep with 300 trumpets? It would have sounded like tens of thousands of them. And they come ro- roaring out of their tents and then there's lights all around them. They think there's tens of thousands. The enemies come and they just start killing each other and running for their lives. God gave him a strategy for 300 to route 135,000. Don't ever think you're overwhelmed or the enemy's schemes are too great. Let me tell you, you and God are a majority. When you're doing it His way. and That's why I love this story. And I believe God's stirring the church of Jesus Christ across our nation. He's stirring our lives, He's stirring our church to arise and be all that God's... Let me tell you, the days are coming and now are where he's calling his church to arise. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.